The Ringer's Charles Holmes and co-host Grace Spellman present the most notorious new podcast in the industry, The Ringer Music Show. Every Tuesday, they'll bring you the latest news, the hottest takes, and the deepest reporting about the wild world of music and the chaotic industry that creates it. Check out The Ringer Music Show exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Everybody, welcome to another installment of Recipe Club. We have a guest host. Guest, uh, what is the title, Ying? Uh, we call them wedgies. wedgies. After your bubbly sandwich, yes, is a wedgie. A guest wedgie. Um, bartender, <laughs> author, just general extraordinary person. One of my favorite people on planet Earth, Mr. John DeBerry. Somebody we used his. Mighty powerful martini recipe in our martini episode. I, I don't know how we didn't win, but we didn't win. Oh, I know how you, know what, you though, didn't I kind win. Of like, I kind of agreed with, with the assessment because like the lychee martini sounded kind of good. John. <laughs> so I'm not offended. It was you really just good, off to a terrible start here, John. <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta you gotta put the gloves on right now. Let's go, man. This is this guy abandoned you. He abandoned you and a delicious martini. I said it's the best rest it, it, it's a it's the best recipe. I feel like my recipe and the lychee martini recipe both kind of won. So yeah, yeah. For different reasons. Once again, I'm the only loser. But John, I thought your recipe was incredibly well written. And I just absolutely, I'm sure you heard the episode, but I absolutely love the way you talk about like people and why they order dry martinis just because they think you're supposed to order a dry martini. Like that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, when I was a bartender, I probably get in trouble for saying this, but like when I was a bartender, people would ask for a martini a certain way and 9.5 times out of 10, I would make it the same way I always make it. And no one would say anything to me about it unless they wanted it dirty. <laughs> in this case, I would. So it's all in their minds. It's a fascinating right. psychological phenomenon. Nobody even knows what it, what it means. But let, can we ask you, as somebody who has tended bar, Dave and I talked about this on that episode, when it's like, let me get a martini. 
And that that panic moment for for us on the other side of the bar where we're like, what kind of gin, what kind of vodka? Are you on the other side of the bar judging our martini order? Are you thinking about what kind of spirit we say and, and how we order it? Uh, it depends if someone comes as like a, they think that they know what they're talking about and they like have this elaborate order or they have very specific and it just sounds whack and gross. And in that case, I'm just like, <laughs> you're a jackass. But like if someone's like, <laughs> wants to work with you, you know, and like is genuinely curious and, and maybe wants some, wants some guidance, then that's, I don't care if you don't know anything, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, fantastic. Cause we don't and know if shit. you're like, what's good. Then I'm going to tell you, like, if you want it this way, then this is my recommendation. John, I've asked you a lot of dumb drink questions <laughs> over the years. We don't need to go into my stupidity. <laughs> we don't. I think it's, doesn't have to be well documented. I think it's a given. Wow. Dave's said some dumb things. He's asked for some dumb things. And he's gotten a lot of dumb responses saying how <laughs> dumb you are, Dave. I don't need to retrace those moments. But I'd like to aggregate all stupid res- questions to you over your years. As, as somebody that has seen some of the dumbest acts of humanity as a bartender, what are some of your dumbest, most loving moments you have seen? You Ooh. have so many. Yeah. What are, let's, before we break that down, what are the dumbest requests you see or you, your biggest gripes? And then we'll go into your dumbest things you've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> well, so, you know, something that I always thought was funny, it, it maybe doesn't happen as much now because I haven't bartended in a couple of years, but like I used to get, especially at PDT, people would come in and they'd order a cocktail and it would come in this like rather delicate coupe glass. And all these guys would get really butthurt and really flustered about, oh, I don't want it in this like girly glass. <laughs> And I always thought that was really funny. Like, does that really, like, is this really the issue for you that the glass has a stem on it and it's a little round? Like, I don't, like, that always cracked me up. John, what, what, what if it's not about that, but someone like me, as you know, that's incredibly clumsy that will lose? That, that I think is valid. I don't have the dexterity to like bring it from martini glass to my lips without spilling half the contents. It's just Dave not possible. a glass that's that has true. like fing- finger holes that he can put in there and then grasp. And that's why it. we had rocks glasses at Momofuku for yeah, like for me seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you put in a sippy cup, I'd be down with that too. It doesn't yeah, matter. Same. Just get the job done. I mean, the thing with the coupe glasses is that usually you're supposed to drink them quickly enough that you're not worrying about like spilling it. You know, it's like you knock it back. I mean, you're not supposed to put ketchup on your clothes after, you know, dip it in a french fry in it, but it happens. I do it all the time. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. What are some other amazing requests that you hate or all bartenders are like, Jesus Christ. Like when, when they're asking for a cocktail order, like when, one of the elaborate ones you were just talking about where they seem like they know what they're talking about. What kind of shit do you get? Yeah, I think that another one, it goes back to what you, Chris, were saying about People, why people order things and they don't know why they're ordering and people ask for things that are not sweet and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, not too sweet. I, you know, I, I don't want it to be, you know, too much sugar. And you're like, or they'll ask for something without sugar. Like, don't put mm-hmm. simple syrup in my cocktail or don't put anything sweet in it. And you're just like, if you had it the way that you think you wanted it, you wouldn't find it drinkable. <laughs> so it really has to do, again, like the wackest requests and the most like annoying judgy you know, moments I have either internally or, or, or with other people. It's like when people don't trust the bartender and they have this like they have this idea about how things should be and you know you want to be has you want to be hospitable you want to be nice and and give people what they want but at the same time it's like hey like you're here for my expertise like are you going to listen to me or are you going to be a jackass so <laughs> i mean john if i asked you as you know i'll ask dealer's choice what do you want to drink i'm gonna john just dealer's choice make me something what are you making me right now probably like a margarita or something 
Yeah. Oof, I think my that's God, my that sounds so good Actually, right now. that's kind of an annoying question too. Not, <laughs> not to give it's you totally shit, but, like, but when someone just says, make me whatever you want and gives you no guidelines, you're like, I don't know you, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know you, either, but like, if you're just some stranger at the bar, like, you know, you got to give me more to go on. You don't know who I am and what I like. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, I, I mean, again, John knows my drinking preferences. I love fruity. I just like drinks that Same. a lot of dudes would be like, that's so weak. I'm like, well, it tastes great. Same. And it's, it's refreshing. Why am I a loser for wanting a fruity drink that, you know, a 15 year old would think is delicious? It's just like misogyny, man. It's like people think it's girly and then they think that that's, there's something wrong with it. That's what I was gonna say. Like both the coupe glass complaint and the sweet sweet thing complaint, both like reek of machismo. One of my favorite drinks is the Singapore Sling. It's like super fruity. It's like complicated. It's pink. It has like pineapple and cherries on it. So good. It's just like the best. It's so tasty. Yeah. You know what I love? A mai tai. Mai tais are great yeah. too. But you, if you it. order that with some friends, you're gonna be like, really, dude? And like, yeah, these are the drinks actually. I order all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I've got, I've just gotten over like, oh, I got to look cool. It's like, you know what I want? Something refreshing and something that's delicious. It's very different where I want to get drunk and want to get drunk fast. That's, that's martini time. That's a martini. Yeah. That's a martini. I, I have a splitting headache because of the people I have to work with all day. That's four martinis. Hey, 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 easy, easy. (laughs) Yeah. Chris. That's what the doctor prescribes. There's like, like a therapist. pharmacological <laughs> cocktail approach, and then there's like a culinary approach. Like you want to taste something good, or you want to like pharmacological. Yeah, <laughs> you want to do a job. But it's like the, the other element of it is, is like if I'm going to PDT, if I'm going to Momofuku, I'm going somewhere and having an expert bartender make me a cocktail. Like I want it to have lots of things, like to to be balanced right. and have it going on. I don't need to go to PDT so I can be like, pour me a shot of Jack and. Uh, put some thumbnails and, and, uh, screws in it. So I feel tough. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Like I, I want something actually expertly. <laughs> exactly. I would prefer someone just to be like, the only thing I drink is Goldschlager. I'm like, that is so weird. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We need more people with drinking preferences like that. Only on ice. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I'm down with that. Like I have to drink Midori. <laughs> otherwise I'll die. <laughs> We need more <laughs> eclectic drink preferences. Um, I just don't drink as much as I used to. And I, it's not like I need to because, again, I've had more drinks than most people. Yeah, exactly. I've had everything you can drink. I've drank. Like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I like, know what, what it's what, like. What, what's, what, are you going to experience some new awesome feeling? No, you're just going to experience more terribleness and hangover. Yeah. Like, I've had the best wine. I've had the worst wine, like, yeah just everything i mean you've had the best (laughs) cocktails from the best cocktail makers in the world you know at some point are we like in postmodern cocktail theory right i mean it's like i've had the best drinks ever and i still my favorite drink is like coors light banquet beer you know it's like it's very it's very very creamy i I see why you two got along for so long my god (laughs) can i and and what is what is so so for the audience that may not know what is the non-alcoholic beverage that you created. Yeah. So I created something called Proto. It's a line of non-alcoholic, or I call them zero proof because it's a little bit nicer sounding, uh, botanical drinks. And I've continued to be very into like botanical spirits like Amaro and Vermouth and Absinthe and Gin. So I've always had these like overwhelming amounts of random botanicals and herbs and barks and flowers in my kitchen. And 
a couple of years ago, I was writing my book and probably people who are, <laughs> who are here who can, who, who write also can relate that like a really good thing to do when you're writing is like to procrastinate and not write and do all this other random shit that you, uh, never realized you needed to do. So what I, I just started to, to play around with infusing botanicals into water and then kind of blended it like a cocktail the same way I would. And it was a challenge to me to make something without alcohol because there's a few things that are great alcohol has going for it. One, people like to drink it and even, you know, kind of like bad coffee is still coffee, kind of like bad alcohol is still alcohol. So people still kind of enjoy it. So if you don't have that, then you have to kind of make the value proposition like even better. It has to be really delicious. And also physically alcohol is a great base for extracting flavor. So if you put mix alcohol with like you know, an herb or, you know, a spice, it'll pick it up really well and it'll preserve it really uh, nicely. But with water, it's a little bit more difficult as a base. Uh, so you kind of have to get, get, get tricky and, you know, use what you know. So it was just a like, kind of a challenge to, to myself to make something that, that hit all the same notes as anything else, uh, but just sort of didn't have alcohol. The line has two uh, kind of flavors, variants uh, in it, and I'm naming them after streets in the Lower East Side. So there's like Rivington Spritz, which is sort of like an Aperol Spritz sort of vibe, a little sparkling, like hibiscus and Chinese rhubarb. Uh, and then there's something called Ludlow Red, which is sort of like, reminds me a lot of like a creme de cassis or Lillet Rouge, or even like a French wine, with a little bit of blackberry, black pepper, roasted dandelion root, fig vinegar. And yeah, I launched them like kind of in the middle of the pandemic last year. <laughs> like my book and the line came out in like in the middle of last year, which was super fun. So yeah, we've been, we've been online selling online, which is great. Cause you, if you have, al you know, no alcohol, you don't have to worry about state restrictions on, on sales. And so being online has been great. Where do people buy this, John? Go to drinkproto.com. And spell proto. P-R-O-T-E-A-U. Yeah. It's, it's, that's an important distinction. P-R-O-T-E-A-U. Yeah. It's like prototype, but I made it sound fancy. Do not go to the other drinkproto.com. I'm telling you. It's not, it's not pretty. Is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Can you wait? I have one, I have one more question for John about the, about the, like the non-alcoholic spirit stuff. I know we got to get into our actual episode here, but, uh, when you're, when you're saying, you know, you're trying to like recreate the effect of a cocktail, the, the taste of a cocktail, what are what is like from a flavor perspective, what's the challenge? Like what does the Aperol bring flavor wise? Right. What do like the spirits bring? I think most people would just think like alcohol tastes like alcohol, but like what what do you have to like make up for on a yeah. flavor side? The of thing with alcohol is actually like it feels different. You know, it's like a different density. So it has this like different texture when you drink it. So that is really tough to rec recreate. And it's almost you kind of just don't even want to try a lot of there's some brands that do sort of like similar, they'll use like capsaicin, they'll use like something spicy to kind of mimic that heat from alcohol, but it's hard to, it's hard to, to get without alcohol itself. But to me, it's about, you know, a drink that you want to drink with like food or something where you're really thinking about it has acidity, it has a little bit of bitterness, it has sweetness, and it has like some level of aromatic complexity. And the best drinks, I think, or the most successful ones have a lot of complexity, but they're still kind of clear in terms of what they taste like. They have a little bit of bitterness uh, to kind of slow you down a little bit and give you like sort of a reason to sip it and kind of consider it rather than just chugging it mindlessly. And then the acidity is really important because you need a certain level of sweetness to have the texture and carry the flavors that you want, but you don't want it to be super cloying. So the acidity is a nice balance for that. And also with food, you know, higher, higher acid drinks, like, you know, the Rieslings of the world, like those always are, are nice to have with, with, with food. So it's a balance for whatever, like kind of heavier fat kind of components are, are in the meal. 
So for me, I always wanted it's it's not really that much of a surprise. Someone who worked as a restaurant bartender for nine years that the drinks I made are really intended to be like food pairings and not mm-hmm. like sort of considered cocktails or spirits that you would make into sort of a cocktail. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also great cocktails to drink in and of itself without food. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just right out of the bottle. Um, Believe it or not, we have not John to talk about cocktails in the world of beverages, <laughs> but to talk about the ingredient that he chose, chickpea. Mm-hmm. Did you choose chickpea for health reasons? And let me also add, I know that you quit drinking for a year, um, but but you didn't choose chickpea because of health reasons. Are you eating cleaner? What's going on? Well, no. So, so the, the thing with the dry 2020 and the reason why it shows chickpeas are kind of related. So like, you know, I was raised, my my dad tried to make me Catholic. It didn't aggressively didn't work, but I always (laughs) did Lent and, and Advent. I thought it was like really fun to like kind of fast and give up things as like a willpower challenge. And then like kind of use it to create space to like consider what you need in your life. So like a couple of years ago, I started just doing these like restrictions every year rather than a new year's resolution. I'd say, Hey, this year I'm like not going to buy clothes or this year I'm going to like only read books for the second time, like never not read new books and just revisit books I've already read. And then 2020 was dry. So I just, I decided to do that way before the pandemic or anything happened. So it was kind of like weirdly timed. And then this year I'm doing vegan, doing no animal products in my diet, which like when I was talking, I was like thinking about this podcast, I was like, fuck, I'm going to get so much shit from Dave. (laughs) No, (laughs) You'd be surprised. Uh, California Dave is just turning totally Californian. So I, I wanted to, so obviously I wanted to pick something you know, that was like vegan appropriate. And, you know, we did a lot of, with chickpeas, you know, Momofuku, there was like the hoson yep. that I used in drinks and it was all over the the food. And so I thought it would be kind of nice and nostalgic and they're pretty versatile too, which is obvious, which is evidenced by our different recipes. So John, have you broken your vegan dietary challenge at all? Not that I know of, but like, it's hard. Being vegan is tough. You have to be really careful. Like you can't eat, you can't just go to a normal restaurant without planning. Like the yeah. alcohol, I could do it. It was easy. I was like, whatever. But vegan, I'm already into March. And I'm like, fuck, this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't eat bread for like a week. And this morning I was like, oh, I'm going to continue this. And that lasted two hours. <laughs> I, I drove past Tartine. I'm like, fuck. God damn it. Grace is like, I want a croissant. I was like, you know what? So do I. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um what what about you, Chang? Where are you on the on the uh, noble chickpea on the garbanzo bean? You like this ingredient? It's a miracle. It's a miracle ingredient. It really is. But that whole sort of family of uh a bean pulses. Yeah, the, not the legumes. bean. I don't know what's what legumes that are not necessarily beans, like lentils and and mung beans and uh, chickpeas. That that like the yellow split pea. They're real miracle ingredients. Uh, incredibly versatile. Lots of protein. I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I eat way more chickpea than I ever realized, but I don't eat it how most people eat it, which is hummus, which is also. Delicious, even in the bad sabra, sabra, I don't know how to pronounce it for them, the one you get at the supermarket. But I feel though chickpeas is the one ingredient I cook way more professionally than I do at home. Hmm. Like infinitely so. Because as Jen, hmm. John mentioned, like we have the fermented miso that we use, which tastes like Parmesan. And I don't cook it at home. Occasionally I'll make a chickpea salad uh, or I add it to soup. 
but this is the most chickpea cooking at home I've ever done. This recipe club. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I w- I do not cook chickpea a lot. I was not excited when John was like, let's do chickpeas. Cause it, it is a miracle ingredient, which I've come to understand after the fact. But at f- my first thought was, so like, what are we, we're going to have hummus and right. falafel <laughs> and chickpea salad. Like that's it. But then you start to look into all of the things that chickpea can go into and all of like the versatility of it. It's kind of, an, it is kind of an amazing miracle ingredient. I think, I mean, it's like you make like pecora with it and, you know, like right. hummus and falafel and then like cocido. Yeah. Panese, chickpea, panese. So good. Like, so that's why I, I wanted to go just ask. I was like, huh, why do you choose chickpea probably for health? Is this is a giant movement for, for John to just be like the best version of himself? I always love chickpeas. I ate a lot of chickpeas. Um, and they're adorable. They're really cute. I want an excuse to, I st- so for these recipes, I use the dry chickpeas and I soak them. And it tastes so much better than the can. Oh, interesting. Can, can I just add one more thing? I, to be honest, didn't anticipate we'd have the audience that we do have for Recipe Club. I'm, I'm honored, and I'm honored that if you don't know about John DeBerry, you should buy his book and just follow him on social media. He has a lot of fun opinions, particularly about the world of science fiction, a, a one of my go-to experts on all things sci-fi and culture. But we do these recipe clubs because I think at the core of it, it's we want to like make things better. We want people to eat better. And right. I think this is a good topic because I had to really think about it initially. I was like, fuck you, John, why chickpeas? And then I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted yeah. you to say. <laughs> I really was like, God damn it. Because I had to really hustle to get all the ingredients. I was like, why? Why couldn't it just be like something simple? And I was like, because it's John. John's not going to let me have it easy. Yep. He, he, he's he's going to go after something. And I'm glad that you did because I'll just straight out say it. I think all three of these recipes were great. Let's get into what they are. So John uh, was the first to choose his recipe as the guest of honor here. He chose dark chocolate chickpea brownies from the roasted root, which I think is kind of like a, a gluten-free uh, food blog or you know health-focused food blog. Dave chose a chickpea binde duk. Am I saying that even remotely right, Dave? Binde duk. Binde duk. It's uh, usually mung bean pancake, in this case, made with chickpea flour. And I chose a chickpea curry, courtesy of Momofuku's own Max Eng, which I originally saw on Momofuku's Instagram a couple of months ago and had not stopped thinking about ever since. As always on the show, all three of us have cooked all three of these recipes. We're going to talk about how that all went, digressions, changes, thoughts, feelings. Um, and then we're going to determine a winner here in the Chickpea Recipe Club. So, Dave, what should we do? Who do you want to go first here? We could put John let's in the spot. The, let's, go, let's go with the guest. All right. John, we're going to put you I on the spot. Feeling, I have a feeling as the Recipe Club uh, grows, John DeBerry hopefully will become a, 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 a wedge member. A permanent like wedgie, yeah. A permanent wedgie, yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Let's see what kind of chops he's got here in describing <laughs> and defending dark chocolate chickpea brownies from the roasted oh, root. Tell us. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is very important, John. Before we get into this, what do you think is the percentage you need of the key ingredient in a dish? One to one hundred percent, right? Because Chris feels that it's uh, like for it's, this for this yeah. show specifically. Or and just in general. And in general. Chris Chris believes that it could be like 30%. Oh my god. Less. Like, like Chris, for example, if this was <laughs> we're choosing tomatoes, right? Chris would say, um, ratatouille is a tomato recipe. 
Okay, fair. And, and, I, and yeah, that's even, what I'm like. Just, no, it's, even, it's, that's crazy. That's not true. Christian is the worst like offender of, of this. It's less of a number and more of just like, is this like a perceptible element? Does mm. this define the dish? You know, it's that like, sounds like a moderate opinion. I appreciate pasta that. Pasta isn't like opinion. a salt dish. You know, it has salt in it, but like that's yeah. not what it's about. No, you know, man, so he's, it's like, he's he's on our side, man. He's not even centrist. Yeah, it's like it's like obscenity. You know, when you see it. Yeah, exactly. Welcome back. Exactly. I'd say if you if you left the element out and the recipe was bad, then it's that's it's that recipe. Ooh, that's a good measure. That's a good measure. Well, I will tell you right now, so far on this podcast, the far left is Chris Ying, Rachel Kong, Priya Krishna. They just interpret whatever. That's about right. It's like, why, why, I mean, why even have a constitution as far as I'm concerned, right? Just make up shit as they go. Brian this Ford is, insane, is clearly dude. our Stephen Breyer, very, very centrist. And, you know, on the far right, the, the you know, we, we have John DeBerry Rehnquist <laughs> and... David Scalia Chang representing. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It's incredible. It's incredible. It, it is just like the Supreme Court now. We just have the liberal media conspiracy on one side. We've got QAnon on the same fucking Am podcast. Am I the Amy Comey Barrett? Because I'm new. <laughs> you're Amy Comey Barrett because no, you're new. No, no one. No one. I'm sorry. We, 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 no, we, we can't even go that far, right? Okay, no, that's, that's too mean. Even, that's even too in mean. this, we can't go. You can bleep that out. Yeah, even in this joke. Even in this joke, it's too far. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Dessert first. John, talk about this recipe, why you chose it, how you found it, and how it is made. So I chose this recipe because I wanted to find the most like absurd chickpea recipe just to, just to fuck with you guys. So I was like, chickpea dessert, (laughs) like, is this even real? And then I wasn't expecting to find anything. I just sort of did it on a, on a whim. And then I was like, oh shit, there's like a lot of chickpea desserts. So I found one that sounded sort of like easy and interesting, but like a good way to show that you can like transform chickpeas into something that's not just like hummus, you know, so, and they're vegan, uh, and they're gluten-free, which I guess is also important for, for some people, but I love how the recipes are, are built as kind of healthy where it's like, just cause it's vegan and gluten-free doesn't mean that it's healthy, uh, cause there's still a lot of sugar in there. It's true. Um, but I was really surprised about, I thought it would taste like really kind of green and weird, but it actually was like 
pretty fudgy. Like they actually tasted like legit brownies. I was kind of horrified, like in a good way. Yeah. I think that's exactly my reaction. The coffee grounds were a really nice touch. I thought that was excellent to throw that in as like a little bit of like seasoning. I mean, this recipe completely destabilized my uh, understanding of the universe. First of <laughs> all, like chickpeas are fucking incredible. I cannot believe I, I saw this recipe just out of the corner of my eye when you sent it. I was like, chickpea brownies. Okay. Like, what is this? Like, I don't want chickpeas in my brownies. But just to be clear, there's no flour product in this Nothing. recipe. It is just cooked chickpeas are your starch, your protein, your fat, your whole fucking thing. And it's thing. really easy. You just put everything into a blender and then you just bake it. Look, they come out their brownies. They come out in their brownies, which is why my entire understanding of the universe was destabilized. If these are brownies, then what the fuck is not a brownie? If you could just throw chickpeas mm. and chocolate into a, in a blender and then bake it, and that's a, a brownie comes out like anything is a brownie. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like I could not believe that they came out as brownies. Lo, I now the thing almost broke my blender for sure. Like it did not want to budge in there, but. These were better than the box brownies we made way back when, Dave, for sure. Sounds That's like you opinion. watched WandaVision. You're so perplexed as to what happened. <laughs> Just I don't know what's happening. I do feel like I'm inside a fucking magical bubble where you can put chickpeas into a blender and come out with brownies. Well, again, this is why John DeBerry, I think, could be a, a serious force, uh, could take on the reigning champ, Rachel Kong, because uh -oh. look at the effort that he put into this. It was incredibly Machiavellian for him to choose not just a chickpea <laughs> as an ingredient, but then to, to go deep and not just chickpea desserts, but go into the one thing that would mindfuck Chris Ying and to just completely stump me. And he deked us. He deked us. <laughs> he, he fucking got us. He so knew exactly. Good. He's like, you, I know Dave so well. And when he reads the chickpeas, he's like, fuck you, John DeBerry. Yep. I know he's going to think that. And then when he reads this recipe, he's going to be like, double fuck you, John DeBerry. And that's exactly what I said. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this is exactly like getting a, you know, working with John and ha having a, if you've had one of the many thousands and thousands of people that have had a cocktail by John, you're like, I trust you for something new. And then I'm scared. And now I get it. It makes sense. To me. <laughs> that's the journey. It's the journey. And I, I made this recipe. Uh, I did not have a dark chocolate chips, but I used a dark chocolate bar, which I learned is just about half a cup. I was shocked at how much I, 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 I this is the, one of the simplest recipes we've ever had. Damn near close to the banana fritters, the Malaysian banana, fritter, banana fritters. Mm -hmm. I mean, all you have to do is get the ingredients, but... Um, to, to echo Chris's sentiment, like, I don't know how to feel about this because I thought this was going to be some Grateful Dead parking lot sold next to a grilled cheese type of shit thing. <laughs> and it's going to taste really crunchy and granola-y. Yeah. It was a great recipe, number one. It's written extremely well. It's a well. good recipe, yeah. It's really well written. I don't know the, the name of the author. It says Julia. Julia. On my printout. Yeah, Julia. Hats by off the, ro Julia. the Roasted Root. Honestly, great recipe. Yeah. What was most fantastic about the recipe was the step-by-step -step substitutions if you needed it, right? Yeah. yeah. My favorite substitution was coffee grinds, but use instant coffee. Like it's a very well thought out. Yeah. Having read a lot of recipes, this one is as good as one you'll ever see, even though it's a very simple recipe. The one thing I will add is if you don't have a powerful blender like a Vita Prep, Thermomix type of thing, it will burn your blender potentially out. But that would be that would be it. I, I, I did it in my um, Nutribullet 
and it just had enough power. The little engine that could just got enough out. <laughs> wow, that's impressive, man. Yeah, the yeah. Nutribullet was able to do this thing? I had to shake it up. I had to like, yeah. I, I, I actually I had to, was like I had a to like spatula. Oh, yeah. Like I, had, I, was like, too. Uh, I was rocking I that I felt thing like Tom like Cruise in cocktail. I was, <laughs> I was shaking that shit up yeah. and I baked it. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't know it was chickpea if you told me. Yeah. I would have if no I, that's fucking what I was, idea. That's what I said to myself too. I was like, if someone just gave this to me, I would be like, okay, cool. This is a brownie. And I don't know if I would make it again. I would make it again if I was like, man, there's nothing to make and I need to make something. This would be it. But I might make it again. I made it again. I added uh, walnuts. And then I also added those so the Korean rice cakes Ooh. into Whoa. it. So it was like a rocky road situation. It was kind of like marshmallows. The texture rocky was great. Rocky road? Yeah. Whoa! So, God damn, that sounds amazing. So I, I made one. You know, I made the original before I went to H Mart, and then I went to H Mart, and then I came back, and I'm like, hmm, let's put. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's funny because like my my wife tasted these, and her first reaction was like, oh, these would be great with walnuts. It'd be great with some textural yeah. variation in here. This definitely like my blender was like screaming for life. It just felt like it was going to explode into flames. But the one question I had for you guys: Do you think this would have worked if you didn't? blend the chocolate into it like the the chocolate chips or the bar like i kind of wanted more I didn't actually i forgot to mention that i left them out and stirred them into the pan yeah and then did it work okay like you had yeah, to it was like great oh fuck see like that would be better i would not blend the chocolate into it yeah so you can get like gooey stuff i think i might not use dark chocolate just use milk chocolate and mm-hmm. the texture is the one complaint on the the just the recipe is it's um Disconcerting how uh, no, th- there's no texture whatsoever. <laughs> it's like eating, eating cotton candy a little bit, but um, at least mine came out that way. I, I think it could be great if I added some sea salt. Um, yeah, I needed salt for sure. I don't know if I had nuts, but just like chunks of chocolate might be good. There's a mm. lot of applications for this. And that's why I, I feel torn because it's not like I make brownies to begin with, but I was like, I don't know if you can say it's healthier, but it's definitely not it's definitely probably better for you than a traditional brownie. That's for sure. And yeah. the key is I gave some to Hugo and Hugo ate Hugo's cake. Yeah. And he ate it all. <laughs> and that's he amazing. loved it. And that's all I needed to know that he has no idea that brownies for him forever will be chick chickpea brownies. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the little guy never got the real thing. But can it be vegan? I mean, I'm, I guess I, I wanted to yeah, try to get the, the egg replacer. The egg replacer. How did it taste? It was fine. Yeah. So if you have the egg replacer and you have it's, it's actually like an all dry goods recipe. It's like a it's like a nuclear war bunker <laughs> chickpea recipe. And I like you know, shout out to Bob's Red Mills. That's an amazing <laughs> company. They really are. It's employee owned. Yeah. He gave the, all yeah, the companies to his employees and and uh, amazing amazing entrepreneur. And Bob's Red Mill came into play in the next recipe. Let's just go straight into Dave's because that's Bob's Red Mill is the producer of the chickpea flour I used for Dave's recipe. You want to talk mine, about yours? I got, I got a different one, but I also chose this because I didn't know what to choose. I didn't want to do, I guess I didn't realize how many goddamn chickpea recipes there are actually. Yeah, how <laughs> many are there when you Google chickpea recipes? Oh yeah. Sorry. We forgot to do our traditional thing. When you Google chickpea recipes, you turn up with 52.5 million results. Wow. So there's a few out there. There's a few out there. So I chose Dear Saturdays and Pindetok is one of my favorite foods. Um, something that you eat more in homes and it's one of my mom's most favorite classic dishes. Like it's a jun, it's like a pancake. 
but pindet dok is usually made with mung beans. And I use, I grew up making this with her many, many weekends. Over the years, I've experimented with my own version, changing mung beans to lentils. And I just thought without, I have a recipe, but I didn't want to use it. I was like, there's got to be a chickpea replacement for mung bean, pindet dok. And lo and behold, dearsaturdays.com has one. And it's pretty close to a real pindet dok in terms of the ingredients. I, I won't go into all of it, but uh, if you make it with mung beans, it's a much more laborious process. But they do add sweet flour, the kimchi, kimchi juice. You have the sauce. It's it's like based on the true story of pindet dok. If you go to a Korean restaurant, you probably won't see it. This is something that you usually find in homes. I almost never see pindet dok in kitchens. And I don't know if you guys have had one before. But I was actually like not bullish on this recipe because I was shocked that they were going to use chickpea flour. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, they'd use, you know, chickpeas and you grind it because usually you grind mung beans that have been husked and then you soak it in water and then you, you, you grind it like you would like, you know, just get a smooth paste and you get like a bean batter, right? This opened my eyes to maybe using chickpea flour or maybe even using mung bean flour or, or, or other ground types of legume flours for a lot of other applications and how I like to cook. And long story cut short, you mix all this shit together, the flour, the rice flour, the sweet rice flour is important for the crispiness. I actually didn't have any, so I used potato starch and, and some corn starch to, get, to recreate that crispiness. And I added a little sweetness from, the, I use agave a lot. And uh, I didn't have pechu red kimchi, I had white but the fermented juice was no problem. And all in, it was awesome. I was shocked. I thought it was really good. I don't know how you guys felt about a recipe that you may not be familiar with. I love this recipe because I got to go to H Mart <laughs> and like yeah. find lots of cool stuff. Like I haven't, I don't think I've ever had Korean chives that I've probably eaten them, but I didn't know what they were. So that was super cool. I was really lazy. I had like a jar of kimchi and the pieces on the top were kind of small. So I was like, oh, I don't need to chop it. So I just dumped the whole thing in the batter. So I ended up with like this really gloopy batter. And so it made these very like chunky and incoherent pancakes. Cause the picture on the website, it's like these really beautiful, dainty yeah. uh, things. And I'm like, I did not make anything close to that, but they were really tasty. Yeah. I've had, I've had this before. I thought this was great. It's hard to overcook these. <laughs> I think that right. like it's, they, you can sit them, fry them for a long ass time and they're not going to cook all the way through. I think at my first reaction, I saw the batter, Dave, I was like, man, that is a lot of kimchi in there. And then when I cooked it, I was like, I could probably put more kimchi in there. Yeah, like, yeah. This thing probably needs even more kimchi to, to, to really get where I want it to be. I thought it was great, man. It should. If you wanted to make it like more traditional, you could add meat to it, like pork belly or mm -hmm. you, you often see other vegetables into it. Yeah, I thought they were beautiful. I mean, I think the, you know, the recipe has you sort of fry it on one side and then put the, you know, the long garlic, the Korean chives yeah, on nice top touch. and then flip it. That was really, they turned out really beautifully. I did not do that. Oh, you didn't? You just chopped it in there? I just mixed it all in. I was so excited to do that. I was like, yes, I like placed I, them very strategically. I was too. I was too. I was like, oh, can I spell out? <laughs> I spell fuck on my, my kimchi pancake here and like I want to do all sorts of stuff. But, you know, the, the one, the one question qualm I had with the ingredient, uh, with the recipe was, well, two. One was like she calls for like a cup of oil to fry it in, and I I, I think that's probably a little heavy depending on the size of the pan you use. But like these don't need to be like really deep fried or anything. Yeah, like, you, Dave, here's like, the thing: you you need to. My mom, she cooks them on one of those like the electric griddles you just plug in. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the key to this is the right amount of oil. And you want to fry it, not quite shallow fry, but pretty damn close. But a, like a decent amount of oil. That's okay. what I did. They were really oily, but they were yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I went. I mean, like, I guess just like depending on the size of your pants, so like a you cup don't have, in my pants. You pan don't have like, to, but like you want, you want to give it a shot. No, I think because I, I did one with less oil and it was nowhere near as good. I think it definitely needs like an almost shallow fry. My question about this recipe, Justice Scalia, is uh, if you what, what do you think about chickpea flour versus mung bean? Like, is this better with chickpea flour? If you don't use chickpea flour, is it just as good? I think it's an, I, 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 when Grace said it, she's like, this is really good, but you can't replace mung beans. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't taste beany. It's just a different thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I started using lentil because I I would have all the ingredients, but I didn't want to go get mung beans. I know I'd have lentils because Grace would like lentils when she was carrying Hugo. So I'd have a lot of lentils in the house. And I just was like, okay, I can turn this into something other than dal or something like that. So that's mm-hmm. why I try to use it because the concept's the same. You're taking a raw legume that's been dried out and then blitzing it. So you're turning that into some kind of batter. I thought it was great. I have a whole giant bag of chickpea flour and I'll probably <laughs> use it, you know, yeah. over the next year. I'll probably make this a handful of times. Didn't Momofuku use the chick- chickpea flour in the fried chicken? Yes, we do. We use chickpea yeah. flour a lot. Yeah. Hmm. People don't realize that chickpea flour, uh, that idea was courtesy of Paul Carmichael, who I believe got it because of the Indian influence in the Caribbean. They fry a lot of things in chickpea flour as well. The Koras. Chickpea and- flour, the Koras. But chickpea flour as a batter, as a as a dredge, if you, especially if you have gluten uh, issues, is probably the biggest no-brainer. I don't think you need to buy the 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 cup for cup shit. Just use chickpea flour. Chickpea flour is unreal for for dredges and frying and stuff like that. And oftentimes, I feel it gets it way crunchier and crisper. Yeah, that's what I noticed too. The, the super crunchy, which I loved. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I again, I'm a big fan of the chickpea flour in general. I've actually never bought it at home, you know. Never even thought yeah. of me you could buy it at home. I think the battering, I think the battering and frying with chickpea flour is is actually pretty amazing. I think one thing it does nicely too is that it doesn't brown and then blacken as f- fast as wheat flour too. Like you can fry a thicker thing for longer without charring your your fry. Like I, I think Dave, when we did the the vada pal, wasn't that in like a chickpea flour batter too? It is. Yeah rolled the potato ball spiced potato ball is rolled in chickpea batter yeah and it's kind of amazing how long it can it can crisp up and, and fry before it turns dark again like if you're so many people are making these recipes which is mind-boggling to me but another thing you should explore is just chickpea batters in general like you can chickpea flour is something that i think i would like to explore more with because there's just so much you can do with it it is as we you know talked about at the top of this podcast and a miracle ingredient in so many ways I did kind of say one more thing on this recipe before I noticed that there is, unless, unless I am like having a stroke, there, there's an error in this recipe and that the written instructions call for minced onion, but there's no minced onion listed on the ingredients list. So, well, I think you dear, should, dear Saturday, dear Saturdays, <laughs> I got a note for you. I, I recognize that, but I always put onions in my sliced onions in my, um, pindeto. So I just did it without even looking to be honest with you guys, I didn't read past the ingredient <laughs> list. <laughs> no, kidding. which is which is why um, I did not uh, have the cool little delicate patterns of the chives. 
because I didn't uh, follow the instructions. This is where I'm not Scalia. I'm not even someone that is worthy of the Supreme Court. <laughs> I, I'm an ambulance chaser the lawyer ambulance that is just trying to make shit up as they go. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, uh, John, sneak preview. If if you didn't like the fact that the onions and the instructions didn't appear in the ingredient list, you're not going to like my recipe either because oh, the exact I, same I noticed mistake that too. happens. There's a few things missing. Yeah. So uh, my recipe is for a chickpea curry, courtesy of Max Eng, like I said, of Momofuku. The great Max Eng. Yeah, the, the great, the great, great, great Max Eng. Um, AKA Singapore Sling. Yes. <laughs> the human embodiment, yeah, literally, literally Singapore sling, um, a Singapore native, just like an, an incredible, incredible chef who has who has done amazing things at Momofuku over the years. But I saw, I don't, maybe, maybe it even happened during the pandemic, but he must have been doing a, a video series for Momo, where I think it was probably using the seasoned salts, and I was watching, and he did this chickpea curry, and I had never seen this dish before but it looks so fucking good and i was like for months i was like i gotta figure like a reason to make this so he makes a cardamom rice and then he made a chickpea curry that is basically like he roasts eggplant that's been tossed in the savory or, or sorry the tingly salt and then he makes a curry with canned chickpeas curry powder a bunch of spices coconut milk butter Chicken bouillon plays a prominent starring role in this dish. And then you toss in your, your roasted eggplant and all of that goes over like this super fragrant cardamom rice, which is just jasmine rice and a little curry powder, a little cardamom bay leaf. And then you throw it in your rice cooker. He gives some really uh, detailed instructions for people who don't have a rice cooker, how you can you know set up a makeshift steamer. I assume you guys both like this dish, but I, I this was I don't know. This like touched my heart. Like This was like the best thing I've eaten in a long time. Uh, I grew up with this flavor, like this, this, this flavor of dairy in the form of butter plus coconut milk plus curry is like a very Southeast Asian or Hong Kong type of style of curry. This is something my, like this flavor is something like my dad made all the time. I have a hard time imagining people who didn't like this. And I have an even harder time imagining being friends with anybody who like made this curry dish and didn't fucking like it. Yeah. Like, how could you not like this? There's nothing. This is like the... This is like my favorite kind of food. You just throw a bunch of stuff in a pot and yeah. It's unreal. It's unreal. You don't need to follow the recipe or even have all the ingredients for it to be extremely delicious, right? Yeah. Every step of the way before I even added stuff, I was like, I did this right now. This is great. And I totally, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll eat the rice myself. And then before I had the coconut milk, I was like, does this even eat coconut milk? You know, it, it was so good. And the reason I say that is each step, it was delicious. It was it was lighter and healthier. And mm-hmm. coconut milk is not healthy. I don't give a shit what anybody sells. That is just <laughs> a pound of butter, basically. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's basically yeah. adding more butter than you would ever add to a dish. So uh, I'll tell you, Max Ng, don't be mad at me. I did not add coconut milk. <gasps> I had it. I chose not to because it was so good. And of course, I know it was going to be super delicious with the coconut milk, but I'm trying to eat healthier and I didn't need to do it. And here's another thing. I didn't have an eggplant because it didn't come in my, they didn't have it on, when I ordered my groceries. Mm-hmm. So I knew it. It was still going to be good. When you look at the the dish, it, it, it also implies that you could throw anything in there tomatoes cauliflower what is, or whatever did you did you either of you add like anything of the optional 
I did. Ranch. I added some cherry tomatoes and I had a frozen mix of Asian medley. Yeah, nice. I did. Uh, I did cauliflower and cabbage, which I had. I, I was and just I so thankful squash. to be able to use it up because I always have so much fucking random veg in my fridge. I put some sweet potatoes, in cauliflower, and green tomatoes. Ooh, ooh, green ooh. tomatoes. Oh, I put potatoes in there as well, but I had to cook the potatoes first. Oh, okay. I uh, I just poorly peeled my potato. You know the potato where you're like, oh man, that is like growing a lot of things out of it, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, I have to like cut off. 50% of the potato and then I can yeah. use it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that to two potatoes and it was a great, these are the great recipes to be like, I can just get rid of all these root vegetable mm-hmm. tub- tubers that, ex- that there's no reason for me to get rid of. Like, it's not enough for me to just use two potatoes, especially after I peel it, there'll be like, you know, a third potato left. <laughs> right. And it's you polished perfect it, for you this polish dish. it down to a Junmai or whatever. I mean, I'm not even like, it's just like straight. I turn it into like a, looks like a potato. I turn it into like a hexagon. <laughs> just <laughs> hacking off the eyes of this thing. Yeah, I know. I've been there. I've been you there. Know? Yeah. I mean, this, I think that like the, the produce drawer in your refrigerator should just like yeah. shudder at the thought of making this dish because everything can go in here. You can put yeah, every motherfucking great. thing and in here. Again, I am totally biased because it's Max and I love my singer porcelain very much. I miss him. I want to give him. I feel like hug. I imagine him just like yeah. reading this to me when I was making it and so I had a lot of fun and it's, and it's, it's also like a fun recipe because you can just sort yeah. of like it doesn't feel like that stressful no it feels like Max I, yeah. and I just miss him so much and I think you can find ingredients you could if you don't have the Momofuku spices you could definitely change it if you add fish sauce MSG Sichuan peppercorns yeah uh, so maybe some long pepper you have other glutamic stuff you could definitely do it but they make up for so much of the they make up for so much of the you know like it's a vegetarian mostly vegetarian if you if you leave out the chicken powder or whatever i mean does chicken powder have you don't even need it you really don't need the chicken powder but the 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 seasoned salts like you said like if you can get them you can get them but they add so much to that part of it where you you're like the umami and all of that balance i will say um you know, one, one weird thing that we do at my house, like, cause we do a curry very similar to this. That's like I said, it's butter and coconut milk and, and curry powder. My family always added like a little bit of ketchup to things like this that were like, it's like not so much that you can taste it even, but just as I like a little sweetness. You've done that before, John. Like I think yeah, it, I do that I with, um, uh, like a broccoli. If I'm just like cooking broccoli, like in a pan, I'll just like, like a dash. I think just like to add that little bit of of, of acidity well, and sweetness. Well, I'll, is I'll be honest, guys. That's just fucking weird. The both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. you're, anti, you're an anti-ketchup on. man, but like a little ketchup. Not that you can taste it. It's just like a little something, something. Uh, I think jasmine rice is the right move here. I mean, I think this would be perfectly delicious with short grain rice, but jasmine rice with this would add a little something to the cardamom rice. I was happy to have jasmine. Jasmine rice is designed perfectly for or i should say curries are designed for jasmine rice yeah right i think it was perfect for this so i'll add i did not make jasmine rice or cardamom (laughs) i just used my short grain because i was like fuck you max i'm not gonna (laughs) 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 but how was the rice was it delicious it was very, yeah, it, was it was very, very good. I thought, uh, John, I thought when it, as it was cooking, I was like, oh my God, this is going to taste awful. It smelled ridiculous. It was so yeah. strong. The bay leaf was so strong. But then it came out and it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was Cardamom not like, is one of the most underutilized spices, but also when done right, it tastes like, you know. It's magical. Heavenly. Yeah. yeah. It's on fucking real. 
So I, I, I don't know, guys. I love this. I love that you know you mash up the sorry you mash up the chickpeas a little bit to to thicken it. I don't even think you really need to. It was it was unbelievable to me. It's good. It's a really good recipe. Thank you, Maxing. And very you, again, very you. clever of Chris. You two, <laughs> the, these two guys are just. If you understood, if you're listening, I'm like my my. I'm really quite angry and also amazed at the at the the, the sheer evil brilliance of these two. Anything to I win. Mean, we've known you for like a combined like <laughs> a long twenty years. Like, yeah, I feel like out. I'm going against like AI, and I'm not going to win. <laughs> Um, well, we got to, we have to determine a winner somehow here. So let's get to the business of, of voting. Well, well, um, it's, it's clear. It's clear that my recipe is not going to win. It's just not, I know it. It's a great recipe. You guys should make it. But I think of all the recipe clubs, this is all three recipes are great. This is a good week of, this, this is a good, good week, week of eating. Recipes. There's no garbage, yeah. but mine's a B plus, I think. Yeah. I mean, only mostly because. For me, your recipe is only a B plus and not an A because the substitution is is kind of random. You could do the the version without it. If you happen to have chickpea flour, it's an A plus way to use it. But if you don't, like I, I think you could do the, you'd be just as well served making the original. Is my only reason. John, which recipe would you make again? I did make the brownies twice, and I only made the other ones once. So just <laughs> by the numbers, that's how that <laughs> plays out. But I would definitely, I wouldn't follow the recipe again. But I would definitely like do that chickpea curry style thing again. Like that's how I cook in general, just like throwing a bunch of shit in a pot and letting it just hang out for an hour. So it's very much like my aligned with me personally. Um, but I think as a recipe, I think like the brownie recipe was good. Like it was well-written. Like I, it was easy to follow. Like it had all the information I needed and it was like, like a mind fuck. It was a gr- it's a great recipe. It's a recipe. It's a very good recipe. And if you want to like see the the like an alternate dimension of the universe, you should make these brownies <laughs> out of chickpeas because it's like it's like being on LSD. Do we let the audience vote then? I don't know. I think we should we should try to determine. I, if I'm being honest, if I'm being, do you know I'm not a, a I, don't, I I don't advocate for my recipe just for the sake of it. But like this is one of my favorite things we've made for Recipe Club. This chickpea curry, and like I will 100 percent make this again. I like the brownie recipe. Purely because I don't make brownies, I'm not going to make the brownie recipe again. So it's just really the deciding vote is you, Dave. The recipe is awesome. And the potential for John's recipe has a lo- a longer tail, right? In terms of discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No bullshit. There's so much you'd be able to do with it. Uh, Max's recipe, you never have to follow it. Once you make it, you never have to follow the recipe ever again. And, and I think that's intended that way. It's yeah. So it's like one is, I mean, it's weird. I feel like I got to cut my baby in half and, and um, I'm <laughs> not as wise pick, as King Solomon. <laughs> you know, you gotta be ruthless. You got to pick one. It's up to, it's, it's all on you, man. Finally, you don't have to make so, a you decision. Know what, so if you vote for my recipe that I know you guys did like batting averages a couple of weeks ago, it risen Rachel, the highest, if you vote for my recipe, then I batting a thousand. <laughs> This dude, or is he's it 100? I don't know. A thousand. It's a thousand. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing that I did last go around. Max's is the best tasting dish, but the recipe <laughs> isn't as good as the brownie recipe. Uh, this is hard. I, I feel bad. This is my own. This is, you know, Max, and I love Max, and it's a great recipe. But I feel the one that 
I mean, it's it's hard because which one are you more likely to make again, Dave? Come on now, let's be honest. Max's, but there has not been a recipe in all the times we've done a recipe club that have fucked me up, with the exception of the bobbly wedgie. It is bobbly level as far as like fucking with your brain. The the brownie recipe. This was a giant fucking mind fuck <laughs> uh, uh, of of Marvel multiverse dimensions. <laughs> and I don't know if you can actually discount that element. It's like, I guess the Oscars are coming up and it, it's like, um, it may not be my favorite movie, but it's the best movie, right? Uh-huh. It's, the, it's the movie that is going to change the genre. It's the best picture, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like Max's Curry is like watching um, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, <laughs> right? It's great. It's- Totally, you know, not everyone's gonna like it. Just like not everyone likes science fiction fantasy. Excelsior! Right. They won't love the, it. But <laughs> and I the get brownies it. are the brownies are nomad land. The brownies are brownies like genre bending. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. I got uh, you. I got you. It's it's it, there's it's it, it's impactful. It's it's you're, you you have to think about it. You're like, wait, <laughs> what the fuck? Did that just what? That's how I feel about it. Dave is not an indecisive person. Like, this is very confusing. Well, I'm just laying out my case. Like like Justice Scalia, I'm laying out my case. But, John, is this this not the longest you've ever seen him deliberate over a uh, A A-B scenario? Like, this is kind of crazy. Because it's all family. John's family. Max's family. (laughs) Stuff choice, though. Stuff choice. And I'm just saying, uh, they're both winners. Maybe just, honestly, this maybe this might help you. Just, like, as compensation for the Martini episode of me not winning... (laughs) <laughs> oh God, he's amazing. That's why I'm going to say Maxis is the Star Wars slash Lord of the Rings slash something that, that crush in the box office that you're going to watch a thousand times. It's going to be part of your, 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 your yearly routine of watching it at least a dozen, like six times a year. And it's an honor just to be nominated, but it's not winning best yeah. picture. And the Oscar goes to and the Oscar goes to. Dark chocolate, chickpea brownies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair. We're, we're cleaning yes. up. My my Max. Me and Max are cleaning up at the box office. You can have your fucking statue. Just we'll just we'll just rake it. You the, watch the, No Man Land. You will not be the same person looking thinking about America the same way. You just won't. <laughs> so how I feel about making chickpea brownies. Um. Okay. So that makes John the winner, and that gives him the right to choose the Max final ingredients. Ing, Max saying, "I am sorry." <laughs> they forced me. <laughs> Max, I, you, I heard me. you heard me, dude. I tried. I never try to defend my shit. I tried hard. Um, we have nine items on a wheel here, and I'm going to let you choose the last one, John. So currently on John's inaugural wedgie wheel, his wheel of life, we've got Bloody Mary, cabbage, King's Hawaiian, uh, tofu, peanut butter, frozen peas, mango, avocado, and Guinness. Uh, John, give us as winner your final wheel item. Um, what about garlic? Oh, garlic. Okay, okay, okay. I like to see Dave make his 51% garlic dish. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Dave, handicap this for us. What do you think, if anything, on here, John is excited for and not excited for? I mean, clearly, John's a lot of things that are that like he's sort of not, but the one thing that you can't take out of a white person is peanut butter. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, John, John, <laughs> defies, John defies a lot of stereotypes 
just in general. You would never, ever be able to peg him in a lot of different ways. There's just no way. But the one thing for sure that I think is a solid for every single white person I know is the love of peanut butter. I'm going to be honest. No I'm going to be totally honest about it, too, because John had suggested peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for this wheel. And go. I uh, edited mid course because I don't want to eat three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Don't you agree? Peanut <laughs> yeah. butter is the, like the, the, the staple. It's a yeah, soy man. sauce for white people. It's just the it's the it's the red blood cells for white people. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. John, anything on here you're not looking forward to? I like I love it all. All right, let's see how this goes. I don't believe it's that. It's spinning. I don't believe that he's open to all. We'll, we'll learn from his reaction to the... Oh, we're fucked. Oh, fuck. We're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> we're so fucked. It Ugh. landed on Bloody Mary, everybody. What's the Somehow, point? What, what's, magically... What's, what's the point? What's the point? What, what is even the point? I can't even... What is the point? I can't the, even imagine uh, how bad my odds, Bloody Mary is going to be. The odds are uh, not favorable for us. <laughs> yeah, we are extreme underdogs here. John, if you don't go 2-0, and oh, yeah. this might be the yeah, greatest yeah. upset in history. <laughs> yeah, eat it, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, the greatest upset, the greatest upset it, in history. If, if John DeBerry loses Bloody Mary, yeah, uh, I mean, it's like Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. I, I don't know of any other uh, upset. It would be embarrassing. Uh, as always... Comment on all of this on our Recipe Club Instagram page. Join the conversation at the Recipe Club podcast Facebook group uh, where people are sharing comments and photos and videos, and they are certainly cooking along with us. Um, and if you've got any questions or comments or insults or whatever, Recipe Club at MajordomoMedia.com. Uh, once again, pick up John DeBerry's book, Drink What You Want, The Subjective Guide to Making Objectively Delicious Cocktails. What a fucking title. What a title, and, and, man. And drinkproto.com. And drinkproto.com. E-A-U. E-A-U. Our next episode next week will be a spaghetti episode with Priya Krishna who's now just like falling down the fucking standings here with John DeBerry entering with a strong uh, 1,000 win percentage. Um, anything else, boys? Anything else you want to you wanna uh, say no, before we get out another, here? another oh, one good. that Chris and I lose. It's great. <laughs> John DeBerry has now won as many as we have. Wow. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, it. man. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, John. Right, thank you.